thankful to be here. I had such a fantastic week. Anybody with me there? Last week was very rewarding. And um, when you're walking in the presence of God, I tell you, uh, good things happen. Amen? When you're following God's footsteps, you're bound to find some great things. Amen? He leaves treasures all along the way for you. I thank God just for being here. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Tell the person on the other side, I'm glad you're here too. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for um, everything he's doing in our lives. I thank God that we have, um, we have our buddy here from Florida. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Eunice's little brother, not her cousin, right? I thought, I thought you were your brother for a second. I was like, oh, my God, Pastor Rick is here. I was like, oh, no, that's his brother. Oh, no. Amen? Uh, I desire to bring before you today uh, a topic of how do you forget who you were? How do we as Christians remain dead to our past? How is it that we are to forget who we used to be and live as this new creature in Christ? And how is it that we are to change our mannerisms, our, our attitudes, quiet, change our, our bad language. And sometimes you can change it on the outside, but on the inside, you're still the same nasty person. And every five months, every six months, you have an episode of nastiness. Somebody, you're with me? Is this going to make sense today? Should we just stop now and just go home? We're living in the overflow, Pastor? Just leave it in the overflow? I think what chases the overflow is just us. I think that God would desire for you to live in the overflow every day of your life. How are we to change the way we think, our mannerisms in the sense of our thought process, the person that we have literally designed ourselves to be up until this point of your life, and you have to change the way you do business up here. How do you do that? That's tough. Change the way you perceive things. Somebody don't say hi to you. It's not because they hate you. It's because whatever. Somebody, you know, stepped on your toe. They don't hate you. How do you change the perception when you see someone and we judge the exterior? We're human beings. We look at the exterior and we make an assumption of the person. Yes or no? Whether they're dressed well, whatever it may be. And, and we judge them by what they wear. We judge them by all that stuff and instead of who they are on the inside and how is it that we as Christians are, are to change that? How, for you lifetime Christians, how is it that you are supposed to keep in touch with the presence of God and love him as much as you did the first day you realized who he was? Y'all with me today? I was at prayer service one evening and my Aunt Rose approached me and she came up to me with something the Lord had shared her, just a scripture and a title for a sermon that he wanted me to preach. And I don't listen to nobody when it comes to preaching except to God. And, and, but I knew this is of the Lord. And, and she gave me this scripture, and I'll read you the scripture, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter, verses 5 and 6. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6. And the word of God declares this. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, Died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. To this day, no one knows where his grave is. Bow your heads right now as we pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we sit in your presence, preparing even to hear from heaven, God, fill this place with your presence and let every heart be stirred by a spirit of need and expectancy. Father God, from the floorboards to the rafters, God, saturate every last piece of our hearts, our minds, our church, our buildings, God, right now, that your word may rightly divide the truth in our hearts, God, that you may speak and cut to the core of our hearts and our issues and our symptoms and our sicknesses and our spirits, God, that you would completely have your way. We have no desire for a visitation today, Father, but rather for a habitation and indwelling of your spirit, not just an encounter, but a redirection in our lives, God. That we would not leave this place the same with the same mindsets and the same heartaches and the same issues that we came in, God, but let your presence speak to our hearts. Father, that you would exceed our expectations of what you are going to do right now. That even those who do not expect, God, that you would exceed those expectations of nothingness, God. Speak to my heart. Say that right now. Speak to my heart. Make me new, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Moses, the Bible says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, was dead. You're with me there. Very simple. Moses, the servant of the Lord, was dead. His tombstone, wherever God buried him, was very simple. Very simple. Moses, the servant of the Lord. Not Moses, the prince of Egypt. Not Moses, the murderer of an Egyptian. Moses, the shepherd in the wilderness. It wasn't Moses, the miracle worker. It wasn't Moses, the liberator of the Israelites. It wasn't Moses, the prophet. Moses, the man who did signs and wonders. It was Moses, the servant of God. Because I heard something and it touched my heart. There's only one position in the church. And that's servant. We get caught up in positions and we get caught up in what we do and who we are. You're just a servant. I'm just a servant. I serve God to be able to serve you, and you serve me to be able to serve the greater good of the, of the entire church. And you get what I'm, just a servant, and his tombstone probably just said, Moses, the servant of the Lord died here, right here, there, he's dead. The Bible says it was just Moses, the servant. This should be enough for us that we are servants of God. To be satisfied with the simplicity of the word servant of the Lord is a precious place to be in your life. For me, I, I'm not just a pastor, but above being a pastor, I'm a servant. I just serve the Lord. I need you to understand before I go forward, I'm just a servant. Tell the person next to you, you ain't nobody. Tell them right now, you ain't nobody. You're just a servant. You're just a slave. That's it. We're slaves to Christ. We think of ourselves as so high and mighty. This is step number one to forgetting who you are. You are nothing. Jesus said, think of everyone else as better than yourself. And you will know my father's way. When you start doing that, you, are, you ain't nothing but a servant, a slave. And you have a haughty attitude. Christians, haughty, nasty, living offended, holding on to hurts. Not realizing your lack of forgiveness means you haven't been forgiven. You're just a slave. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So, meaning only forgiveness can come through forgiveness. Amazing, it travels on that same road. How do you forget who you are in Christ, rather in the world? Step number one, realize you are just a servant. Nothing greater. A servant. 
I know that doesn't seem very glamorous. I know it doesn't seem very popular. But we're just servants of the Most High God. And a servant barely has an opinion. I will see. That's how so many churches break up. Because as I heard my dear friend say, correction going uphill is called rebellion. Because what you, what you, what you have, what you have is, is you have people who want to correct the entire world. And they know nothing about anything. And they want to tell, they want to tell ministers and pastors on how to preach. And, and the Bible, the Bible clearly talks about the democracy of the kingdom of heaven. And if we would know our position in Christ, we would hear from God so clearly. We would hear from God so clearly. I don't know. Don't you want to hear from the Lord? Don't you want to hear from God? Well, if you get into the right position, which is servant, rather than thinking you're some type of master, and realize that God is over everything in my life, then he'll be able to talk to you. You're with me today. He'll be able to deal with you once you realize who you are. Ain't nothing like a spoiled child. Talking back to their parents, thinking they have the authority. They just talk back and talk back and talk. And the parent can't get a word in edgewise. And so what's best to do is to ignore the child until they recognize who they are and who they need. And they need the parent. God is the same exact way. He is our father. We are his children, his servants. And he will ignore you sometimes for you to understand you need him. Say it out loud. I ain't nothing but a servant. For when the master is glorified, the servants are satisfied. When God is given praise in your life, then he will satisfy your every need. When you do what the master desires of you, you will find satisfaction in your life. Have you ever woke up and just felt unsatisfied? You felt like if there was something missing, something hurting. Always had an issue with depression. You always had some kind of drama. Always got something going on. If you would just stop glorifying all the issues and glorify God, you would stop glorifying the fact that we all got issues. You would stop glorifying that. And you would glorify God in your life. When the master is glorified, I challenge you, I promise you, the servant, which is you, is satisfied. You see, I'll move on from the servanthood right after this. The test of a servant. The test of a servant. So you can know, because you know, I hope you would leave here today saying, you know, I want to be more of a servant for God. The test of a servant is how they react when someone treats them like a servant. That was too deep for some of y'all. Let it settle in. That with me? The test of a servant is when somebody walks up to you and treats you like a servant. If you want to, I am the pastor. Who does this bishop think he is? I'm the assistant pastor of this church. I'm a minister. I head up ministries. Who are they to tell me what to? You're just a servant. You're just one vicious. We're all just servants. And so to see if you qualify as a servant of God, if you're living that life, is when someone treats you like a servant, how do you react? When someone corrects you, how do you react? You get all offended. <laughs> I don't know why you got to talk about me. Look at sister so-and-so. And sister so-and-so is five minutes late. She, she's a greeter. And, uh, I don't do anything in church, and I was late, and you wonder why I'm late? Who are you? I don't like this church. I'm going to go down the street. 
That's how it goes. Oh, I had a bomb. Who's the pastor to correct me for singing? I'm Michael Potts. Who, who is he to correct me? I, I don't know. No. And you know what? I have a problem with some of the singers. I love y'all. No, honestly. And even the musicians, I tell them all the time. I asked Pon- Daniel, I call him Pancho now. I asked him the other day, what's my biggest pet peeve in worship? Because I was teaching another, another youth pastor from another church who came to me for direction. And I've been, I've been just mentoring him over the past weeks on, on Wednesdays. Me and him get together and I just mentor him and I just speak life into him and give him ideas, you know. And, and one of the things I was talking about was just knowing your leader. Knowing your, you have to know your leader. You have to know them. You have to be able to respect them and be able to see, I know whom I serve. I know God. And, and in order to please him, I have to know him. And I said to, I said to him, what, what, what's my, my biggest pet peeve in worship? He said, when we're practicing, when you're trying to show them how to sing something and they sing over, you're talking. Said, yes. So I, I, I'll say, not, not Mike, but I just use you for an example because I know you won't get offended. I'll be like, Mike, sing it like this. And I'm trying to show him how to sing it. And he's like, la, 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 la. Or even worse, the guitarist or the drummers or the bass player playing something. Wow, 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 wow. Dum, dum, dum. Nothing to do with what we're doing. This down, 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 boom, boom, boom. I'm like, shut up. We're going to get nothing done really quick. Ah. And so when I, when I was telling this gentleman this, I, I realized that, that, that that's part of one of those things we have to just listen to the master. God has put authority. Bible says in Romans 13, it's an excellent chapter, and I know this is one of the most unpopular chapters in the Bible. Romans 13. Oh, it's just people don't like it because it deals with authority and submission. And folks don't want to talk about that these days. Quiet. Half of y'all want to be like, amen. I am just a servant born to serve servants of the Lord. Step number one, you have to realize who you are in Christ. How many realize it's really hard to forget who you are, who you were? Isn't it hard to forget what you used to do, how you used to act? You see, Rose brought a thought to me that really tantalized my mind. She said, Moses was lucky. I said, why? She goes, well, think about it like this. God buried Moses. I said, yeah, I know that. She goes, well, I have, I'd rather have God bury my flesh so that I don't know where I'm at. And see, when you bury yourself in God and you do it according to God's plan, you won't have all the residual issues of paranoia of just sinfulness that we have. If you would allow God to deal with it, but the, we try to stop clubbing. We try to stop swearing. We try to stop because we know it's the right thing to do, but we never back it up with the word of God. We try because we know morally it's wrong. But when God's involved, no one will ever find the old you. But every now and then, every five months, every three months, the old you comes running out. What you doing over here? Get, get back in there. What you doing over here? The devil is like, get back in there. And then the other person comes running after them. You're running after yourself like, come here, come here. Could you imagine that mental picture? The Bible says, as the Lord said he would, Moses died there. Just as God promised, according to the word of the Lord. That word, that phrase, according to the word of the Lord, meaning upon, literally, on the mouth of God. 
Tradition holds it that God literally kissed Moses and pulled his spirit from his body. I'm the mouth of God. Oh, I wish God would just come up to me and rip out all those old things in my life. I wish that God would just come and just touch my life and I wouldn't have to deal with the old Lewis no more. I wouldn't have to deal with the old me anymore. But so many times I tried to get rid of myself and that has not worked in my life. And I wish that we would get to the point where we would back you all up with the word of God and we would put an end to who we used to be. And the church would be a much stronger, more united place if we could get rid of who we used to be. But every couple months, if who you used to be is coming to church with you, then there's dissension there's disunity there's anger there's mockery or there's gossip in the body of Christ I know some sinners who are better than us some folks who don't go to church who are better people than some of us are or we're going to be honest today if you leave today and you don't you don't see I don't like to leave without telling you the brutally honest truth God knows the church needs an awakening. Emotionalism has swept over the church. There's no more spirit of God. It's just emotions. I told, I told the minister, I don't want no more altar calls during worship because folks is moved by songs. And songs aren't the word of God. The word of God should bring you to the altar, not a song. No more altar calls. Cut it out. Emotion moving by music and moving by I'm touched and I'm stirred and I'm, that's great. Music and worship has got nothing to do with you and everything to do with how you make God feel, not how you feel. And when we run to the altar during worship, I'm sorry to say it, I think that that is just an emotional thing. And that we should let God's word be sown into our heart and convict us. And as the Bible says, it will cut us deeply to the heart. Worship's got nothing to do with you. Every time we, the music hits, it's got to do, it's got to do with you calling on God to come in this place. Come home, God. Come on in. Come on in. We want you here. I want to be touched by you through the word of God. The Bible says the church grew daily as the word of God was spoken, as the word of God was preached. It wasn't growing daily on praise and worship. It wasn't growing daily on the drums and guitars. It wasn't growing daily on just people, hallelujah. It was growing because of the word of God was being spoken. Oh, but pastor, I love praise and worship. That's great. I'm happy for you, but it's got nothing to do with you. Worship is how you make God feel. The Bible says when the praises go up, too many times the praises go in, though. How's it make me feel? I love this song. I love, oh, I just love it. Oh, my God. When we started singing, I'm living in the overflow, I was telling God, thank you. I'm living in the overflow. Thank you. You see, you see, sometimes, can we just, can I, can, I, can I do this real quick? And I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about, what I'm about to say. And some of y'all who might not be able to handle the earmuffs, just, you can't tell some folks how blessed you are. You can't tell everybody how blessed you are. Isn't that sad? In the church, you can't tell everybody how blessed you are. Especially a pastor. Go to the barbershop and they see how blessed I am. You took an extra offering this week? That's to tell me. Church is no better. You can't tell people how blessed you are. I can't tell folks how much God has given me, how much God has just, I, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, single men, listen, that when a man finds a wife, 
finds a good thing, and he finds favor with the Lord. I love bragging on God. I love bragging on God. I love it. I was able to share some of my blessing with Yvonne and Brenda the other day, if you know what I'm talking about. And I was just so excited. I ran home early so I can just show them. Look what God is doing for us. Look, 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 look. Is this awesome? It's not even about me. It's about God in me. But how do we get past feeling jealous of someone who's blessed? How do, how do we get past? I mean, I mean, how many of you can honestly say and, and just be you don't have to say it out loud. I got issues. I got, I got issues. Americans have more mental issues than any other country in the world. We take more prescription pills than all the world put together. America takes more. We got some mental issues. We diagnose something for everything. You have ADHD, CB. You've got ADHD, CB to the third power times four plus one minus three because of this pill. And if you take this pill with your antidepressants, Abilify. So, wait a minute. You want me, I saw this commercial, to take an antidepressant and on top of that, take this pill to amplify my antidepressant because the antidepressant is not working. But the side effect is suicidal tendencies will jump. I don't want that. I don't want that. This is, this is, but this is the society we live in, yes or no? How do we forget who we were? Man, I came to a point in my life a couple weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, maybe, that I had to forget who I was, because who I was was about to kill somebody. Yeah. There comes points in your life, you've got to forget who you were. I can tell you the truth, I remember the day now, I can say it so proudly that Louis Burgos died. I remember the day, the place I was at, the moment of destiny God had for me. And I walked away from who I was because who I was was going to do some crazy stuff. Oh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? There comes a moment, if you can, you can sit there and say, man, that was the day that it just all changed. That was the day that everything went different. That was the day that I just realized that God wanted to do something through my life, that God wanted to work something through my life. I realized that I could not let the old me contact the new me anymore. I had to get an emotional divorce from that person because God wants to work in my life. God wants to work in my church, and I cannot, cannot allow my issues, my sins, my my mental complexities, my God. We cannot allow it to get in our way anymore. The only thing standing between you and destiny is you. So, God buried his servant so no one could find him. I found this amazing, amazing, amazing. So important was, was this act of God that to bury him that the book of Jude only has one chapter the ninth verse declares that Michael the archangel had to fight over the body of Moses against Lucifer they fought over the body because God did not desire for anyone to find it because when they would find it they would build a shrine and they would idolize Moses and you don't, you don't understand this and then what happens is that, that when we know who we used to be we idolize it we live vicariously through our past and our flesh always lives. Oh, back in the day, I would have bagged that chick, that chick, and that chick. I would have got all them numbers, but I'm saved now. Are you really saved? The thought process is still there. 
The know-how is still there. And the smile on your face at the thought of it is still there. Are you really who you say you are? It's a sad day when you find out you're not who you think you are. Your old self lives vicariously through your memories. And, and we idolize because God knew that Israel had a tendency to worship dead things. Y'all not trying to follow me here. You see, they, they worshiped a calf, a golden calf they made in the desert that had no life. And they, they were used to and accustomed to worshiping dead things. And, and throughout Israel's history, they worshiped false gods, dead things, stone pillars. They would worship a wooden stick if they had an opportunity. They always worshiped something that was dead. Because why? Why? Because they had a tendency to live for dead things. Do you have a tendency to live in a dead way in your life? You're supposed to be this new creation, this, this, this new man in Christ, this new woman in Christ. For some reason, man has a custom of idolizing dead things. And we, we memorialize people in places that can't even remember us. We got a day for everybody we think is special in the world. Now, is it wrong to memorialize people? No, but we got days that they can't even remember, so why should we? We have more days to worship men than we have to worship God. We have more days and more things that we don't realize what we're doing sometimes. And I would challenge you that the world has a way of idolizing dead things. We set up shrines to men who have no idea what we are doing. We take time out of our years to constantly to remember them. We set aside days and time to remember more men of all government offices. And we, we, I don't understand how on certain holidays every office and government office is closed and every business closes down. But on Sunday, the Lord's Day, when it used to be back in the day, my father would tell me that schools and churches and places, when they were having an activity, stores were closed down. Every supermarket would close down. Every pharmacy would close down. There was nothing but 24-hour this and 24-hour that. But we've gotten so far from the righteous ways of God. There's no respect to God these days. There's no respect to God these days. Satan understood that if Israel could find Moses' body, they would set up a shrine to Moses. But God understood all that Moses did was only through the power of God, for he was simply a servant. Moses did nothing. He did what he was told. He never used his own power. He used God's power. He never did anything. I said to my, to my wife the other day, I said, honey, I, I think God's dealing with you. Lately, I, I've been telling everybody in the church, I've been preaching on it on Wednesdays, and God's dealing with my humility, with my pride, with my, my own thoughts, my own, how would I say, my own estimation of myself. And that's a tough place to be in, but I thank God for that. Because every now and then you need a reality check. And so, and so I said, honey, I think I have a problem with pride. Now, to say something like that, you probably already know you have a problem with pride. And so uh, I, said to, I said to her, I, she, was in the, she was putting her makeup on, and I said, honey, I think I have a problem with pride. From the bathroom, with, I think there was no furniture in this first living room, so there was an echo. It's a really big room, tall ceiling, so it's really an echo. Yeah. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Help me here. But I had to realize who I was. And I've been realizing more and more lately, I'm, I'm just a servant. I was telling my Wednesday night uh, congregates, congregation that I've been trying to do everything I can just to show Christ's love. Somebody drops it in the supermarket, I'm running to go pick it up. 
simple. I don't care. I want to help people. From the smallest to the greatest, I want to help people. From the smallest to the greatest. Anything I can do, I want to help people. Why? I have to get this point across. I'm just a servant. I I don't glorify myself. I'm no one special. I'm human. I put on my pants one leg at a time. You getting this today? Who do you think you are? What rights do you entitle yourself to because of your position, because of your stature, your jobs, your homes, your families? You with me today? I'm just a servant. Jenna, I'm just a servant. I'm nobody. I'm just a servant. When I came upon this revelation, as I heard it in her preaching, it really began to speak to my heart. And I realized that the, 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 the way to get through, the way to forget who I really was, to take on a new identity. And I used to be, I used to want to be someone who accomplished this and accomplished that. And we were speaking to the men last night and, and I told them, I told them something that really scared me in my life was that years, a couple years ago, I was always trying to get to a place in Christ. But I knew that, 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 that my sins were holding me back. Things in my life were just holding, my, my, my tendencies, my, my, my mental complexities were holding me back from, from where God had wanted me to be. Anybody ever had a feeling that God wanted you to be somewhere in your life and it was something holding you back? Whether it was just emotions, fear, sin, whatever it may be. And I told them, man, the scariest place I've ever been in my life is reaching where God wanted me to be but with my sins. I was able to get to that place where God wanted me to be but I dragged everything with me. And it got to the point that it almost destroyed me. Very young in the ministry, it almost destroyed me because I took all the issues I had. I didn't let the old me go. I brought him along for the ride. And every time, every time I I, I would get upset, I would just tag him in. You're it. Your turn. Go. And every time I had to be pastor, I would just, hello, God bless you. You know how you change your voice, you pick up the phone. This is what we had that video last night. Put your professional, Hello. Oh, hey, how you doing? Or you don't know the number, you pick up real mean, hello? Man, who are you? I'm just a servant. How do I forget who I was? By realizing I'm just a servant. I need you to get this point today, amen? The word of God declares that our flesh, our old selves are at war with God. We have to understand that our flesh can never obey God this is this is evident in our in our hearts because we because we know where we buried our old selves we seem to always go back there in our minds is if you always sin in your in your mind first the Bible says that that sin is a thought and then it moves to action and, and when it gives full birth it gives birth to death because you have to understand you first think about sinning and then you act it out in your body with your life, amen? And then, and then you reap, reap the consequences later on. And many times we begin to think of who we used to be. We, we, we think about our old boyfriends, our old girlfriends. We, we stay stuck on our old friends, our old fun, our old drinking buddies. We, 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 we live those things. And, and I, I, I hate sometimes hearing people's testimonies. Can I, can I be honest? Folks want to just be like, I did drugs. I was selling this month, I was making $5,000 a day selling drugs, and I, was, I shot seven people, and thank God I'm not in jail, and, and I have 12 kids and never paid child support. I was a total deadbeat, and then they, but God saved me, amen. All that glory to the enemy, all that glory to, the, to, what, to what they used to do and give God five seconds of their testimony. 
man, God changed me. Why do you need to know what I've been through? Why do you need to know who I was? Why, why, why isn't who I am right now acceptable to you? To accept me for who God is making me into be. We develop this thing that we want to just tell everybody all our business. Man, God is making you into a new creation. And the more you speak of who you used to be, you simply bring up the old memories and the old residue of past issues. And they remain. It's like, it's like, it's like eating the wrong foods at night. You get acid reflux and it just comes up in your heart and up in your chest. And you're just like, oh, I can't sleep. And that's what happens in our spirits that we just get all this. Yeah, you, why can't you just accept me for who God is making me to be? I don't need to know nothing about your past. I just need to know that God is working a real, true, living work in you. How do I stay dead to my flesh? By not giving it no life. By not speaking to it or of it with fondness. We speak of our past with fondness. We speak of it with, with, with love. As if those were the days. As if we had so much fun back then, but now we're just, uh, we're just so miserable in our Christian walk. We speak of our sexual exploits as accomplishments. When we add a, but thank God I ain't catch nothing. Because now I'm saved and I thank God for that. As if that's, that makes it any, no, we, we just spoke. Life. Every time you speak, you speak life or death. And if you speak fondness or love in this, you're speaking it alive. You don't understand this, do you? And so you relive these memories and many times the battle we face is the love for the old life that we have and we don't realize it but we've idolized the old life. From the, from the pastors on down to members and ministers and ushers, so many times we dwell in our mindsets of the past. From the opportunities to sin that we had and have and we speak of them as if it was an accomplishment. Oh, I could have done this but mm, I felt the conviction. I'd rather you say, man, the devil tried to get me, but God, to God be the glory, to God be the glory and the honor and power forever because he kept me when I didn't want to be kept. Those days in my life, the Bible says that God will keep you when you don't want to be kept. There was days in my life I did not want to follow God. I did not want to be a Christian. I wanted to sin, and something happened where God kept me. Kept me from sinning, falling, slipping, and I'm like, oh, God. Oh. Because if we're honest, there's days we just want to sin. Everybody has those days. You know how I know? We're humans. I just want to talk to you today. I want to get all deep. I want to talk to you. And so you'll understand this now, that God keeps you. The old self is living through you, through the fondness of how you speak, of all the things you do, all the parties you went to, all the, all the things you were involved in. And, and we don't speak them with remorse. We speak them with an air of pride and arrogance of who we used to be. And we had man back in the day. I was it. I had it all going on. But what do you have now then? Are you all just not going on? I think I'm at the prime of my life. I'm better than I've ever been. I have more. I'm able to give more. God has, God has blessed me beyond measure. So who am I to dwell in my past, dwell in, my, in who I used to date, who I used to be with? Who are we to dwell in what we used to do and where we used to work and how we? God has got something new in your life. 
We can't be a new creation living with old memories. We need to believe that we should bury our flesh in Christ Jesus. We, we as humans are very emotional creatures. And then we even cry for things of the past. And we hurt over things that can never change. And, and we mourn for things that have long since passed away. And yet God would declare for you to rise up in victory. Not to mourn. Not to be sad. How do we change these things? Is it hard for anyone else besides me to change my attitude and my mannerisms and even my thoughts? Because some of you might be sitting there saying, oh, I ain't going to say all this. You might be talking about me. But I'm talking about me. I have to change. So when I know something, I preach to myself, and you just happen to be in the room while I talk about it. I feel the spirit of God right now, and I'm telling you right now, don't take everything so personal. My God, I feel the spirit like you would not believe it. And let me tell you something. When I preach, I preach to myself first. God has convicted me of many things in my life. Oh, I, I love having conversations with God, and then I hate him afterwards. Days where you can't even handle your own prayers. God, show me what's wrong with me. Next day, it just shows me, I go, oh, God, worst day of my life. God is convicting me on a daily basis. And guess what? I'm excited. Lewis, I'm excited about God telling me how crazy I am. How much of a mess I am inside. I'm excited about God showing me all the issues that I have. Because it gives me an opportunity to change them. I need to remain dead as to who I was and how do I do that. Allowing God to remove them and to renew me in my life. The only way to accomplish these things, the only way, the only way. Do you want to change? Don't you want to think differently and act? Jim, is it just me? Maybe, maybe they don't hear me. It's just, it's my, it's, it's on, the mic's on. Does anybody want to change but me? We've all been too satisfied with just coming and to feel good. And I, I want to come for change. I want to come for radical change. Change that will, will shake the foundations of my life. Change that will provoke me. And some days I'll be upset, but change that will really bring forth the fruit in my life. I'm tired of digging up weeds in my life. Don't you? Ain't you tired of digging up this, the mess of your life and you want to have a blessing? Don't you really want to live the blessed life? I don't know, I, I wanna, Jim, I want to live the blessed life. I want God to change me from the inside out. I don't want to be like one of those trees that crack in a storm. It looks strong, but on the inside it was empty, full of decay and death and rotting. I don't want my spirit to look like this, Minister Melvin. I want my spirit to be vibrant and fruitful because the Bible says in the book of Mark, Matthew, and Luke, I believe that the axe is at the root to those who do not bear fruit, a.k.a. God's going to chop us down. If we don't bear fruit, he's going to rip us out. Megan, he says, if you don't bear fruit, I'm just going to take you and cut you right down. Oh, we should thank God for grace and mercy. But he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'm almost done. It says this in the Living Bible translation. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. And a new life has begun. I got two amens. Or actually, I was like, hallelujah. When a person 
comes to Christ. I was reading from the Living Bible. It's more of a, of a, of a just different view on it. It's a, it's a more applicable view. It says when someone comes to Christ, when they become a Christian, they're a new person on the inside. We're so, the church is concerned with how folks come to church dressed. Dress for church. We should dress our hearts and our spirits for God. We should dress our hearts and our spirits for church. We should dress our, our emotions and our, and, our, and, our, and our old self for church and say, listen, you're coming with me because you need to be there. You must not let the memories of your past become idols as to who you used to be. Men should not walk around talking about all the exploits and women shouldn't walk around stuck on the past or on emotions of things they cannot change. But people have gotten to stop looking back for it. It's time that you would run forward and seek the design that God has for your life. Tell someone next to you, just look forward. I would challenge you with all my heart. It is not time. It is not time to love who you were, but rather it is time to embrace who God is trying to make you to be. And can I tell you something that will ring true in your life? When God tries to mold you, it's going to be painful. It's going to be very painful. It's going to be very humbling. And if you can make it through the molding process, God will begin to use you in your life. I left my old friends. I, I left my old life, and I'm, I had to leave some, even some Christian friends for because not everyone that is a Christian is good to mix up in your life. I'll be honest with you. I had to leave worldly friends. I had to leave Christian friends. I had to leave everybody because God was calling me to be something else. I, it's like the old saying, everything that glitters isn't naturally gold. Not everything that looks good. And so many times we'll revert back to our, our comfort zone of, of who we used to be with, who we used to hang out with. And I, I was talking to someone just the other day who I grew up with, my best friend in the whole wide world. I, I remember sitting at my living room couch and my sister asked me at that point what I thought was the dumbest question she could ever ask me. My sister Diana, she said to me and my best friend, she said, are, are you going to be best friends forever? Like when you're 25, she said that explicitly. Do you think you're still going to be friends? I was like, yeah, this is my bro. Like this is my brother. He, he sleeps over the house, eats me at a house at home. This is it. He's in. And I drove him home from playing basketball just the other evening eh, last Sunday, and I hadn't really spoken to him in years. And I realized that a separation had had to occur, and I began to talk to him. What's up with your life? You know, how, how you doing? You know, you working? No, I'm not working. I got a new place. And I said, you're not working. You got a new place. What you doing, street pharmacy? What you think? I was like, what you think? That's going to get you nowhere. And I saw where his life was, and I saw where God brought me to, and, and not to put any accolades to myself, but I realized that God had to separate me for a reason. And I would never have chosen if I had looked back and God would have told me when I was 15, 18 years old, you're going to have to leave all these good friends you have. They were great guys. They were good gentlemen. They were great people. But you have to leave all these friends so you can follow me. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do it, God. But when God brought the process into my life, I saw God and I saw where he had for me to go. And I had to leave some things that I loved. That's tough, leaving some things you love. Some relationships, some friendships, uh, no matter, um, maybe your ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, your ex-best friends, uh, some of those things are better left untouched for a moment as you speak to the Lord, as you draw close to the God because they will weaken you and they will distance you from God and they will bring and breathe new drama into your life. And as I told you many months ago, you should never drag your drama into your destiny. Israel had to move forward without Moses. 
They had to move forward without their past. They had to move forward without their, their, the way they, you see, understand Moses used to think for them. He used to work for them and do everything they needed. And yet now they had to work through a whole new thought process, which was called Joshua. And so they were moving to a whole new place. They were reborn in a sense. No past for them. I long for the day. I, I long for the day when my past does not deter my future. Where my other old self no longer hinders me. Where my old mindsets rose. Where who, how I used to think no longer are such. I, I was thinking the other day, I was just talking. As Ruben spoke yesterday at the men's meeting, for those of you who missed it, we had a phenomenal time. But now there's something about when the men of God come together. I tell you, there's something about it that is so powerful. And we had a great time last night. And, and, and he said some things and he was speaking of his wife. And, and I thought it was amazing because I began to think when he was talking, I just kind of zoned him out. Sorry. And I was thinking how much and how far God has brought her. And I began to thank God. And even, even, even on Friday, throughout the week, I was thanking God for, 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 for our youth pastor, Deanna. And I was thanking God for all the youth workers. Like, God is really maturing some people to work with these teens. And, and then I, I was really, really thankful to God. Because I want to be like that. I want to be able to say that about myself. Wow, I, I came from so far. And I thank God that I have no recollection of who I used to be. I don't know how to walk like him. I don't know how to talk like him. Romans 12, 2, it's a very famous scripture, and it says, do not conform any longer to the things of this world. Put in layman's terms, it says, don't fit yourself into the mold anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. Your mind. How you think. If you can change the way you think, you can change the entire landscape of your life. How do we stop being like we used to be? The Bible says it right there. By renewing your mind. Every day I must wake up and, and call upon the name of God. Every day I, I must wake up and I've been, I've been trying my best. Every day I wake up and, and I don't tell you these things to glorify myself. I tell you them so maybe you can try it because it's working for me. It's working. Every day I wake up and I tell God how grateful I am in my life. Every day I wake up, I tell him about all the blessings. I thank him. And, and when I do this, I have this, this mindset over me that, 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 that I'm so nothing compared to this great God that I serve. And, and when I do this, I have a sense of, of just humility. And, and I realize I would be nowhere in life if it was not for him. It dawned on me that I should come into his presence thanking him before I dare ask of him. Oh, we wake up in the morning. God, I want to have a good day. God, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, I, I, I work today and these people upset me and I want you to help me here and I want you to this and I need this today, God, and I, I have this bill coming up, God, and I need you to help me and provide for me, God. Oh, my goodness, how dare we just walk into his presence asking him for things and demanding things of him instead of saying thank you for what you already gave me. Could you imagine your children at Christmas, all these gifts you get them, and, oh, I want that, though. I want this. I need that. You missed some things on my list, Lord, and I just, uh. Man, I'd rather go into his presence thanking him before I dare ask of him. And I realize that if I can show him and that I appreciate what I have, and then he would know I'm ready for more. And then at that point, I no longer have to ask God for nothing. Do you not know that God does not want you to ask for anything? This is, this, is, this is the truth. I am learning this in my life. God does not desire for you to... God knows the desires of your heart. He knows what you want. 
He doesn't need you to vocalize it. He needs to know you can handle what he's given you. To be able to receive what he has. You see, and I'll close with this last statement. That as I realized all these things that God was doing in my life, I realized that my prayers were changing my life. Being thankful to God. That I was blessing him for our homes, our, our families, our cars. I was blessing him for the children in our church and ask God to protect them. And, and I would thank him for all the things and I would thank him for, for, for everything. And I even got to the point where I would thank God for the people who hurt me. I told you on Wednesday, I would thank God for those who spoke against me. I would thank God for those who would gossip about me. I would ask God to heal their wounds that caused them to speak against me. I was asking God for the most craziest things and I was praying for everyone who hurt me. And I was praying and I was thanking him and I was asking him to bless them for they know not what they do and as I did this I saw in my spirit the other day as I was sitting here in my office preparing for Sunday I, 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 God showed me this construction zone and he said you're under construction and I said I, I know that I've been singing that song since I was a kid he, he, I really had this great conversation with God and, and I, he said, I know there's so many things in your life that you desire that are not yet come to fruition, have not yet come into your life. And I, I said, you know, God, but it's okay. It's on your time schedule. And he was like, but I need you to understand what's happening in your life. And in my heart, God showed me a vision in my mind of, of, of just maybe it was the Merritt Parkway. And no matter what happens, every time there's some type of construction, there's always traffic. Whether they're cutting a branch Replacing a light bulb. There's always traffic. And God said, although you have to get somewhere, maybe you didn't get there when you wanted to get there, but it'll get there. And he said, if you would just realize there's a lot of traffic and construction and the blessings that I am sending you. And if you would just realize that when the traffic clears up, the blessings of God will begin to flow into your life as you let me work, as you let me trim some leaves, as you let me just replace some light bulbs, as you let me put on some new roads in your life, as you let me work on your behalf and things that you cannot even do. If you would let me work in you, if you would let me work this construction of humility, this construction of, of letting go of who you used to be, letting go of how you used to think, I promise you, I promise you, he told me, the blessings will flow in. If you would just let me do what I have to do in you, if you would get your hands out the way, if you would stop beeping the horn, if you would stop calling for more, if you would just let me work on your behalf. I felt the spirit of God in my office this, I think it was this Thursday, and I was just so enlightened, and I, I was so empowered by God to realize that the reason some things haven't come into my life is because I am just under construction. You getting this? You're just under construction. Things are coming your way. It may look bad now. It may look like you won't make it on time. It may seem as if it's just bumper to bumper. It's never going to happen. I don't understand. And God says, if you would just trust me, if you would just let this, if you would just trust me, I know what I'm doing. I was driving after I left the church. I, I, I was driving on the highway. And I, I think I was, I was going to uh, somewhere far. I think I was going to Seymour. And, and there was construction, again, some type of road work going on. And 
and they had cones starting miles ahead of where the work was actually taking place. And there was cones miles after where the work was taking place. And I equated this in my spirit, and I thought about it, and I said, wow, God, you're even working some things out ahead of me that I can't figure out. You're working on some things behind me that I've left alone that you know that need some fixing. You're working far beyond where I can see you working. You're working far beyond where I can contemplate you working. But as long as I know, Father, that you are working, Yvonne, God's working some things out in your heart. God, Ivan, Brenda, God's going to work some things in your life. You believe that today? Luce, God's going to work some things out in you. Kim, all in the back. Kelly, I'm telling you, God's working things out in your life. Carmen, Jose, Des, Evelyn, Manny, God's working things out. Trust him. I know one thing. I know one thing. We hate who we used to be. Come on, can I get an amen? So let's put it down for good. Let's not be offended by the word of God today. Let's let it down for good. Come on, stand with me. Come on, just grab somebody stand next to you. There's two things I truly desire for you to take away from me this week. Number one is I am just a servant. I am just a servant. But I want you to repeat something after me. Repeat this. When the work is done, God's blessings come. God put that in my heart this weekend. So resoundingly, when the work is done in your life, the blessings will come. Tony, Marty, but when the work is done, God's blessings will come. God is not a man that he would lie. God is not a man that he would lie. When the blessings come, you can know that you are in a new place. God's done with some things in your life. Every time you receive a blessing, say, wow, God, I know you just finished a work in me somewhere. Maybe I couldn't see it, I couldn't feel it, but I know, God, that you finished a work somewhere. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If I can sit still, you get your gentlemen to come up. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we're humbled. God, I ask you to forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our ungratefulness, Father God. Forgive us, God, for, for, for loving sometimes who we used to be, God. But rather, God, help us and teach us and show us, God, that we should chase after you so passionately, God. That we should run after your presence, God. We're just servants now. We're just here to serve you, God. And that we can learn how to serve you better. We can learn our master better. God, that we know that when you are glorified, that we shall be satisfied, Father. Teach us, teach us, teach us, and show us your way and your will, God. I don't want to be the person I used to be. For you brought me out for a reason, God. And who am I to follow myself back in, God? I would ask you, dear Father, God, right now to strengthen my resolve. Strengthen my resolve right now, Father. Strengthen my resolve, Holy Spirit. Strengthen my will to serve you. Say that right now. Strengthen my will to serve you.
Father, we love you in this place. We love you in this house. And we need your presence. We need your reminders every day. We need your conviction. We need you to push us and move us as you see fit, God. Humble us, God, and use us, God. Father, for I know you have a purpose for each and every individual in this room. And I would ask you now, Father God, that you would reveal to us what you are trying to bring to our lives. Give us faith like we've never had. Strength like we never thought possible. For God, only you can do the things that we desire. We just seek after you right now, Father God. We seek after you right now, Father God the church says amen. Come on, it is communion Sunday as